2: to support your success every step of the way because businesses that grow grow with Shopify. Sign up for a one dollar per month trial period at Shopify.com slash Odyssey Podcast, all lowercase. Go to Shopify.com slash Odyssey Podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash Odyssey Podcast.
3: Sean Salisbury, Sports Talk 790. I can, I can add an E. Yeah, I, I like it. I mean, I call uh, I, I, oh, Jason Pinkston pink, I call you Dusty, I call him Pinky. That one I don't. That one I'm not cool with. Sean Salisbury joins us now in the North Homestead Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram Hotline. Sean, welcome to the show, buddy.
4: Thanks. Happy New Year to you guys. Thank you. Happy, Happy New, New Year.
3: Sean. Year. Um, if the Browns beat the Steelers on Sunday, that would make them eight and nine. They're not in the playoffs, but they would spoil the Steelers' attempts to get into the playoffs. Would beating the Steelers twice should we view that as an acceptable silver lining to making the playoffs?
4: I think any win, they're hard to come by after what's gone on this year and the quarterback situation and getting it done and probably disappointing for for uh, many Browns fans because it didn't get to what I think a lot of us thought was a playoff uh, roster. Yeah, I, listen, I, I know it's the easy thing to say, and it sounds so elementary and so cheesy. Yep, win in the division, win games, they're hard to come by, but they are. They, they just are, and – You know, I mean, so anytime you can beat teams that are rivals and beat a team twice in your division and and disappoint their playoff hopes when, you know, and Mike Tomlin, who I don't believe Mike's ever had a losing season. I I don't think.
5: He hasn't, no.
4: So a chance to put the Steelers at eight and nine, and I think Mike Tomlin probably, if you get through a third name and Mike Tomlin's not mentioned as a head coach in this league as, as, as the top three or four, then you probably haven't watched much football, and I know you guys see him. I love Mike and what he's done with that team is nothing short of fantastic, considering their situation and their roster. And quite frankly, shouldn't be in this position. So, um, and the way he's got them, you know, continuing to play hard and smart, they should be playing hard because it's football. So hell yeah, I there you, you want to beat him I don't care if they had only two wins. If you get a chance to beat a rival on a team like the Steelers and give somebody their first losing season, although I'm sure Mike doesn't want that, it's a a chore, and it's hard to win in the league. And then I don't believe in off-season momentum, but I believe it's nicer to go into the off-season with the last game being a win and not a loss. And keeping the Steelers out of the playoffs would make Cleveland Browns fans, I'm sure, awfully happy.
5: Sean, I'm actually a Kenny Pickett fan. I liked him coming out in the draft. I think he's been maybe um, unfairly criticized at times. Yep, and I'm, you, I'm right yeah, here. I, I'm with. I see you, buddy. But <laughs> but here's what I'm saying. Like the kid's are rookie. Okay, and and I know the numbers haven't been great, but they're six and two their last eight games, and they've got a chance to go to the playoffs in week 18. I and you're replacing a Hall of Famer. Like it's tough, tough duty there. What do you think about Kenny Pickett?
4: Yeah, and remember he wasn't a starter when the season started. Right, he had to wait to get that opportunity too. With the, you know with, with Mitch Trubisky, I I think he's an underrated thrower of the football. Now I put up the number. So in college and people in Pittsburgh know he can rip it, but as a first round draft pick, when he came in, it's kind of, yeah, well, is this a reach by the Steelers? I mean, that's the way people thought. I, I'm i more of a production guy than I am a potential guy. Now, if I got both great production and say, yeah, man, look at CJ Stroud, tremendous production, but wait till he reaches his potential. And if he does, great, I'm all for it. But, I'm not drafting a guy that, that – or playing a guy that so, yeah, at some point he's going to be great. Four years later I'm still saying it. I want a guy who's productive. You know, and Pickett was productive. I think there's a, a toughness about him. Um, I think you're exactly right. He's not a gimmick. Can he two gloves? He can throw it. I think that that – and the franchise who took him, considering they don't have a lot of quarterbacks in their franchise history that have been, you know, Bradshaw and Roethlisberger, they – they don't change that position much over the course there, and they don't change the coaching position. They're pretty good at scouting people and players. They've, they've done a hell of a job of it in franchise history. So a guy that's been in their backyard, that they saw more than anybody. Hell, they, they, they woke up in the morning and pickets in their backyard throwing. Yeah, I'm with you. I think there's something there, and if Mike Tomlin and this system believes it's good enough for them and they can win with a Hall of Famer that he replaced, he, listen, and you know this, guys, And Dust, you asked asking the question. The chances for him to reach what people felt he could be or his potential are almost impossible this year. Even though Ben may have struggled late in his career, it's still Ben Roethlisberger, it's still numbers. I, I'm with you. I don't know if Pickett's going to be a Hall of Famer. I think he's better than the national talk and the scope, and I just don't get it. I, I really don't. Every year... We get these guys. Everybody thinks we, the measuring stick is Mahomes. It's not. It, it's great. I mean, the measuring stick, when you're talking about the best of the, on the planet and alien talent, but that's not normal, what he does. What's normal is Daniel Jones' progress finally after four. You know what I'm saying? Something like like two or three years. Hell, even Darnold's starting to play better after losing his job like 14 times. I mean, so you said Geno Smith. While those, some of these guys are late bloomers, depending on system and where you go, the expectations and pressure we put on young quarterbacks, we don't expect a rookie to lead the league in sacks his first year, do we? I mean, I don't expect – I didn't expect Micah Parsons his rookie year, although he's a beast now coming out of Penn State in preseason. He was going to get – I didn't think, well, if he doesn't get 20 sacks, what a disappointment now. He's the freak on defense that Mahomes is on offense. So the ups and downs of the position, the roster, the changes, the new system – I don't. I, I can't believe honestly the expectations. If we did that, Elway would have never made it. Aikman would have been out of the league. Josh Allen, if we if we, if we weren't patient enough, hell, his first two years he was trying to find his way. Now look, so I, I think we way overdo it on the expectations what we put on him because we think everybody's supposed to throw for forty eight hundred yards and do what Dan Marino did in year two. It's ridiculous. It's it's. it's I ask people in their own jobs all the time, I say, okay, let me ask you this. You're a salesperson. You walked off a college campus, and you, for the first six months, got the door slammed in your face 50,000 times. Are we supposed to say, you know what, fire him, get him out, doesn't know how to do it, yet we see that at some point you're going to make a sale, and it's going to go. So I think we're ridiculous, and the most ridiculous and difficult position to you know, discover and evaluate is the quarterback position. I'm with both of you guys, and Dustin, I'm with you. I think Kenny Pickett's got a chance to be really good.
3: Sean, looking to comments Miles Garrett's making, this kind of harkens back to what uh, we said. We had the conversation about beating uh, Pittsburgh twice as kind of a consolation prize for the season. Uh, Miles Garrett talked about this game this weekend and the opportunity to play spoilers. I want to play what he had to say. I want to get your thoughts on on his message about this game. Here we go.
2: I mean, we'd love to do that. You know, we consider them uh, our rivals. Divisionally, if we can't make it, you know, we're, we're definitely going to make sure those guys can't. You know, we're going to do everything in our power. And uh, you know, much respect to them for, for being in this position. Uh, we live for, for times like this.
3: So that last line, we live for times like this, Kind of rubbed us the wrong way a little bit. Yeah, we didn't, we didn't like it. Do you do you agree with Miles that this is something to live for, or do you, do you see why maybe we kind of nitpicked him earlier?
4: Uh, yeah, I think that he, I think his is probably a bit hyperbole, and you guys probably uh, took it too deep because we're us, we're, we all do. We're, we're involved. It's like when I hear Lovey Smith here in Houston say, man, we're close. We've only lost, you know, we're close. Teams aren't blowing us out. Yet, you're 2-14-1. Or two 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 thirteen and one, going to be 214 and one. So it's like, wait a second, do you, do you really believe this? It's the same. I I think that we probably, when he says we live for this, I, I took it as we live for an opportunity to beat a team that we consider our rival. They're in the division, and it's the friggin' Pittsburgh Steelers. I don't think that he meant, and this is just my perception, it's weird how people hear different things, is that I don't think he meant we live for this more. Then we live for being fourteen and one or thirteen and two with a, or thirteen and three with a chance to win the division and get the home field advantage. Throughout. But if you're listen, if you get to a point in the season, you got to live for something, right? You got to play for something. Hopefully, are you playing for the last pick of the Not not to be the last team in the playoffs. So you're playing for home field advantage, and there's a lot of that going on this week. And for them, they lost the opportunity to live for playing for the playoffs. So what's next? For me, it's okay we got one game left. We can uh, enter the portal, take it off, and prepare for the draft like some college kids do in big games decide they don't want to play. Or I could put my hand in the dirt and say I'm going to live for knocking them out. I don't believe in week six that Miles Garrett was thinking, you know what, i live for the fact that we're in position at the end of the year to eliminate one team from the playoffs even though we're not going. So I get why it would rub you the wrong way, though, because it's a long, frustrating season. But I think that if Miles Garrett was asked, hey, man, you're one game away from the playoffs, I think that he would say we live for these opportunities. I think it's hyperbole by him, but I also think we probably all, and I get where you guys are coming from, make too big a deal of it. And I also consider the source of what kind of players saying it. Is it a guy who uh, is constantly taking time off? Is it a guy who wants to win, who's productive, one of the better players in the league? I think I know who Miles Garrett is, and I would be shocked if he really felt that this was so important. But you guys, at the top of this, we said it. It, matter, it matters to you, Nick, about to beat the Steelers twice. So why wouldn't it matter to Miles Garrett about it being living for this? As a player, we overdo it. Dustin, you know this at times. But we got to grab something to hold on to, especially if you're like me, if you're an intrinsic guy. I ought to speak for myself. I don't live for the, oh, somebody claps for me or the glory. I, I was my dad and driven inside. What, what am I going to intrinsic mean? What drives me? not the awards and that, what drives me, to beat the guy across from me so I can look at myself and say, I didn't I didn't quit on my team in week 18, game 17. you got to find something, especially when the only thing to do after this is take your ass home. So I'm okay with what Miles Garrett said. I try to keep it. I think it was hyperbole, but I don't think he meant it as this is everything to us. If he would have said something like, hey, man, you know what, we're not in the playoffs, so whatever happens, happens. Imagine that how would have rubbed us three, right? At least your star player wants to show up and kick somebody's ass. I'm okay with that.
3: Sean, looking to where the Browns are, I think a lot of Steelers fans are looking at the chance to make the playoffs. And even if they don't, even if they just beat the Browns but miss out on the playoffs because of the math around them, I think a lot of Steelers fans are feeling pretty rosy about uh, 2023. I don't know if it's the Deshaun stuff. I don't know if it's the 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 defense or people not feeling like the Browns are going to make moves. But it doesn't feel, despite the Browns being five and four in their last nine games, that anybody's particularly rosy about the twenty twenty three Cleveland Browns. Should we be rosy about the twenty twenty three Cleveland Browns?
4: Um, uh, optimistic. Rose, I, I get it. Listen, if you look at both franchises, who going into this season? Did we all, and we've been on this show all all year long, think had a better had a better roster, better chance to make the playoffs? I don't know. I believe from from what we've said that we all thought Cleveland was better than Pittsburgh this year. I had Pittsburgh in last place this year. I had I had them in fourth place, and here they are rolling into it. People should I, I, now listen. The success is getting to the playoffs, but if they don't get to the playoffs because they don't control their own destiny, but they go nine and eight, hell. It feels good. A rookie quarterback. They're feeding off, and here's what the difference is. They're feeding off. we got a rookie quarterback. Mike Thomas here. We're get, trying to get our running game going. We lost some playmakers during the season. We got our, you know, our edge rush. We're trying to back, and we're trying to rebuild this thing. We're 9-8. and eight. We're looking at it, Cleveland's standpoint is, and it's not rosy. Oh, my gosh, the Baker Mayfield thing. We bring Deshaun in, you know, all these games into the season. We got by. Our roster's better. We weren't a good tackling team. we got to be better. we got a good roster. So, even if it's just a minute or two or three or a play or two or a game or two, the difference is one's optimistic because they got a chance and they're fighting for something and hope to get help. The other is we're disappointed because I thought the Browns would be a 10, 11 win type team this year. Even with Brissette quarterback, their roster said, if we can remember guys what the first four or five, we said they, they're capable of winning them all. And so it didn't, it didn't go that way, but, I think it's really a game or two. The difference, and I say it all the time to people, the difference between a winning team and a championship caliber team and a team that doesn't is about eight plays a game, about two or three players, and a quarterback. And that's the truth. The truth is Pittsburgh overachieved and the Cleveland Browns underachieved. So I wouldn't think Pittsburgh rosy. I think Pittsburgh's like, we did more than I think people expected, although you're not content. With Cleveland, it's... We did less than people expected, and of course we're not content. When are we going to get it fixed? But the rosy and optimistic part is you look ahead, and in truth, the truth is you've never drafted a more talented – or should I say traded for, but had a more talented quarterback going into the offseason, at least in the time I can remember. Brian Seip was a good player. I'm talking about talent. So that's where your rosy optimism comes from and a roster that's pretty good. The question is, what's going on with the coach? Is there going to be changes on the staff? Are people on the buy-in? Where are we at there? But I think it's rosy and content, uh, non-content in both places. And think about it; it's about a it's about a game difference. And look at the uh, the optimism in one city and the disappointment in another.
5: Finally, Sean, do want to ask you? Obviously, the league kind of in an impossible situation with the Damar Hamlin uh, tragedy that happened on Monday Night Football. With them, you know, canceling the game right. and trying to figure out how to deal with this, how to manage—do they play another game? Do they just, you know, have it a no contest? Like, did the league handle this the proper way? I mean, there's really no protocol for this. There's no, there's no handbook on how to handle a, situ- a situation like this.
4: Yeah, and I and I was interesting today. I was thinking about it. You know, in truth, who was anybody? It's this is a horrible, sobering, gut wrenching. I've been at a lot of games, seen a lot of injuries. I've never been on the field or watch the game where I saw somebody fighting for their life and have to be revised. It is, it's a wake up call because we see Superman, superhuman athletes in all our sports doing stuff. that's like, man, that's like from a different planet. They're so good. We, we expect them that their life is the same way, but they are human. And I know we've heard that a lot, but the truth is we saw Monday night why real life kicked in. And, um, I don't, I don't think anybody did that the medical team was urgent and caring and got right to the first responders. It was a clean football play that uh, we don't know why it happened. Was it the wrong hit at the wrong time? Is this a, a, such an outlier that we like, man, obviously we want him back to full health and recovery, but who was at fault? There was no cheap hit. There was no guy who came out there with 70%. They put him back on the field. There was The the, the medical staff, the NFL made the right decision in in postponing the game. I think everybody did right other than, and hopefully we're saving a guy's life, other than the fact that we question, are they going to play? Well, they didn't play, and they moved on from it. So now the next question is, at some point they're playing football, and around the league we're playing it this week. So I don't know what they're going to do. And uh, you're right, the the win situation is doing everything that they did do. Do it right. Now moving forward, they're, you know you play this week and then you say, okay, there's one game that's hovering out there. What do you do? Do you move the league back a week? If you never play it, do you stop where the game was and cancel it and just accept the score? Do you the one thing is we got to know that prioritize right, the prioritize right is that the, the, the health of this young man is the is first and foremost, but at some point they're going to play football again and, and this weekends where it starts for some. For Buffalo and their situation and the Cincinnati game, who knows, maybe after this weekend you get in the next weekend and we get great news and they say, okay, and, and then they, they're going to move forward. I don't know. I'm glad I'm not making the decision, but I can tell you this on Monday night. I don't know anybody other than some of the comments you hear from others and, you know, and people on hot take shows. I don't know anybody that in the game situation, in a very unfortunate, scary, sobering situation, I don't know who did anything wrong other than play football and do what they were asked to do, revive a man and the first responders in the NFL not playing the game. So, in truth, sometimes unfortunate, horrible things happen. And I thought it was handled in the end well by everybody. Now, the great result we're looking for is a healthy, full return uh, for this young man and his family.
3: Sean, excellent well, well stuff said. as always, well buddy. Said. Well said. And uh, enjoy the final regular season week of the NFL. We got playoffs soon, buddy.
4: Yep, and we may get two teams. that you think about Jacksonville and Tampa. And, and let me ask you real quick, guys. You got 20, 10 seconds? Yeah, if we got 10 I seconds for you. Right now, if I said right now, take all the NFC quarterbacks. We don't talk NFC much. All the NFC quarterbacks and stick them all on one, let's say, a good roster, Dallas or San Francisco. Go through the NFC, right? Even if you don't answer it here, go look and tell me what quarterback in January and February you trust the most. And I'll bet you most of us are going to say the 45-year-old in Tampa. I'm not talking about on his team. If you stuck him in Dallas or San Francisco, all the NFC quarterbacks in January with the way he plays, don't you trust him? So think about that. They're the worst of the group going in, and they may be the when I talk, The quarterback may be the most adept in the NFC just by his career and how he is in January. I think it's going to be a fascinating postseason.
3: And you, you put it behind that that uh, the, the Packers could be the seventh seed as well. Right. Sean, right. great stuff, buddy. Have a great week. Enjoy it.
4: Thanks, fellas. Appreciate you guys too.
3: And I agree that the idea of eight plays in a game, um, I had a coach once tell me, uh, it was a very successful coach, um, I'm just being a D, um, but he told me it was like five games. He's like five plays. Five the plays in a game. game, decide each game. And so really, if the difference between being six and 11 and nine and eight. And then the playoffs is probably about 15 plays.
5: And And that's the reality, especially in the NFL. I mean, so many games come down to, you know, the final play, a field goal here or there, or a turnover. And yeah, I mean, we could probably like pinpoint about 15 snaps from this season that have cost the Browns the postseason.
3: And it's probably why I like, This is a massively disappointing season, and it's only been made more massively uh, disappointing with the actions of some of their players, with the finger-pointing early in the season, with the kind of nonsense with Miles, and I'm not talking about what we talked about early in the show. I'm talking about him having to be benched the week of your playoff hopes being extinguished later that week. Right. Like... It, it does like – I'm not taking what I think is a team that has been hard to really root for this year, a team that has come with so much drama from the Deshaun stuff. I mean, even stuff they couldn't control. It's just been such a loud, nasty, ugly year for the Cleveland Browns, but I'm not taking that and amplifying it forward because the margin was – the margin between – being a 7-9 and team with a chance to get to 8 wins and being an 8-8 and team with a chance to get to 9 wins where the Steelers are, the margins are so thin. And you do have an offseason to try and get right and try and make a couple moves. And the right moves, firing Joe Woods and Paul DePodesta and spending a little money in free agency, and all of a sudden, you are back where you need to be. I don't think the Browns are that far off.
5: Um, That's interesting. I don't necessarily disagree with you, but I would say this. Like, Stefanski in those... Quote unquote 15 plays that mattered this season. Um, And some of it's on the players. I get that, execution, things like that. But like, I just feel like those those crucial moments where a coach like a Harbaugh or a Tomlin or a Belichick, maybe it's unfair to even bring those coaches up because Stefanski's so young, but those coaches would make better decisions.
3: There is a part of me that thinks our, our thinking on coaches is, is almost wholly dependent on, it's like Belichick. Everybody well, thought it's, Belichick it's, it's, was it's an it's idiot. It's
5: impossible and unfair to compare any coach, especially a young you know, third-year head coach, to the greatest of all time.
3: Yeah, well, but my point was, like, in Cleveland, we were all convinced he was an idiot. He went to New England, was freed from the shackles of, of Art Modell's idiocy, and he became the greatest coach of all time. And so that's not a defensive Kevin Stefanski. I mean, hell, Nick, uh, three years
5: ago, everyone wanted to fire uh, Zach Taylor in, in Cincinnati. Then he goes to the Super Bowl, nearly wins it, and now has his team on the cusp of, you know, the, well, they have double-digit wins.
3: Five games ago, people in Pittsburgh wanted to fire Mike, Which Mike Tomlin. Which is asinine.
5: But you're, listen, your standards get, get raised. Your expectations mm-hmm. get raised. And when you've had a team, like in Pittsburgh, with a, a Hall of Fame quarterback in Big Ben that have been to multiple Super Bowls and won them, and then you're going through a transition, yeah, like flaws get exposed sometimes when you go through a transition.
3: Well, and I think that's why to me the the tweak methodology we've talked about, right? Um, I understand people saying I want to fire Kevin Stefanski. I'm not saying I won't get there within a reasonable amount of time. And there are reasons that people have given for not firing Kevin Stefanski. And we'll get to that later in the show that I think is are, are asinine. And it's not how anybody should actually think, but like, I do think that there's enough there that I can look at it and go, I'm really pissed about this season and I was really pissed about last season and I think we've started the excuse game and I think after two down years, I just I, I think excuses go out the window. But that doesn't mean I think you throw everybody out. Now, I do think there are a lot of people, like I just, speaking in our conversation with Sean, and maybe this is where you and I have a Donny Brook. I can't believe people are, are are giving the credit and the, um, the. The love to Kenny Pickett, I I think he's made two nice plays at the end of games. He has won those games, but like I think Kenny Pickett, by and large, has not been very good. And I think there's a bigger chance next year we're talking about him as Zach Wilson. Than we are talking about him as whatever as Trevor Lawrence, a guy who struggled his rookie year, statistically didn't look good, and then had this huge jump where all of a sudden he looks like a franchise quarterback. Yeah, I, I,
5: here's what, whatever we're gonna, we're gonna have a disagreement here or, or whatnot, but I, I just think that Kenny Pickett hey, is a rookie, mm-hmm. and to compare him to Wilson, the difference there is like Wilson didn't win, like Pickett has played horribly. He's been sacked, I think, twenty-seven times this year. He's thrown nine picks, which his stats are awful, but Mm -hmm. somehow he's gotten his teams in position to win the games, whether it be managing the games, whether it be with his legs, like he's done a really good job picking up first downs when they were crucial moments and the, the, the trajectory of a quarterback from year one to year two is huge.
3: Yeah, but this kind of feels like the reverse of the, the Brady and Belichick. Listen, we'll see. I'm
5: not. I'm not. I'm not declaring Kenny Pickett's the next savior in Pittsburgh. So if, I, I just. I'm saying I've been impressed with his resiliency and the fact that Tomlin's been able to get this team in a position where, in week 18, if they win this game, they have a chance, a legitimate chance to go to the postseason.
3: I just think this season confirms Tomlin's greatness. Oh yeah, I guess but, we,
5: but didn't we already know that.
3: Well, I know because people in Pittsburgh still want to well, test fire. That's asinine. The guys,
5: 14 years, the guys never had a losing record.
3: Not just that, guys. He hasn't had a quarterback for four years. Ben Roethlisberger, He's since. He's
5: been a shell of himself.
3: The second half of the elbow year, or where it came off the elbow surgery. Ben Roethlisberger since They were starting Duck
5: Hodges and some other guy yeah. I can't remember.
3: So to me, I just look at this, and I, to me, I don't think it has much. To, I don't want to say much to do with Kenny Pickett because he is playing. I don't know a situation where quarterback has meant less to wins and losses than in that situation because it doesn't matter who the quarterback is or what their stats are. They just win. It's befuddling, and no other place can you look at, at, at look at a situation and have as bad a quarterback play as Pittsburgh's had the last four years, and they're above five hundred, or at least in this year, have a chance to be above five hundred. It's it defies yeah. logic. It does. is what it does. It does. Now the Kenny thing, it's less that because actually, you know what? I do remember what I vehemently disagree with Sean on. Sean said the measuring stick isn't Mahomes. Bull crap. You know, and I almost I almost I almost I didn't want to go back at him cuz we're not there yet. Our relationship isn't there yet and I didn't want to endanger our bromance. But I yes, the measuring stick is Mahomes. You know how I know? 13 teams in the NFL last off-season said the hell with it and made a call about Deshaun Watson. 5 teams went so far as to negotiate contracts and meet with Deshaun Watson. So to say the bar isn't Mahomes, can he pick it? If he's Mac Jones, it won't be a good enough. A
5: good enough. I mean, listen, it's Mahomes, Allen, Burrow. I mean, those guys, especially in the AFC, mm-hmm. um, that's the measuring stick. And that's why I tweeted last year after that Bill's um, uh, Chiefs game. I'm like, what well, we have at quarterback is just not good enough. And it wasn't a shot at Baker Mayfield. It was just, the sh- just saying, hey, listen, these, these guys are way better and we've got to get better at that position. Can I tell you? Yeah.
3: That's who I think Uh, Kenny Pickett's ceiling is. Maybe he can be it more consistently.
5: Yeah, but here's the thing. I think his ceiling is Baker Mayfield. But Nick, maybe if that ceiling is Baker Mayfield for Pittsburgh, with that organization, that's good enough to get you somewhere.
3: Is it good enough to consistently win you a title?
5: Maybe Maybe not consistently win a title, but I think it certainly can get you to the postseason year after year. And with a little bit of luck in the postseason, anything can happen. I mean, we saw Eli Manning win two freaking Super Bowls.
3: I'll right? give you the Eli Manning thing. I still I'm not think, wrong. I mean, that's
5: that's probably a good example. Like I,
3: I would also say that Eli, it's like the hyper um, anomaly. But I agree with you. I do agree with
5: you. But that also but, was a great organization that was that had a lot of stability as well.
3: Two one six five seven eight double o nine two. Are you guys buying the Kenny Pickett hype? It just feels weird to be the town that last year had the conversation that Baker wasn't enough. And I realize Kenny Pickett's very young in his career but then to be able to look over to Pittsburgh to hear those yinzers flapping their gums about the next great quarterback, and the guy has been that, statistically underwhelming this yeah, year. Yeah,
5: that, that is way too premature to have those conversations, to have those statements about Kenny Pickett. I think he's, he's gotten them to some wins. But I'll say this, and this is the difference between the Cleveland Browns franchise and the Pittsburgh Steelers franchise.
3: Outside of winning?
5: Nick, the Pittsburgh Steelers can consistently win with a player with the ceiling of a Baker, Mayfield, or Kenny Pickett. The Cleveland Browns cannot.
3: I was having a conversation with a buddy the other day. Yeah? And his answer ended up being what my answer was. But he asked, he's like, you know, if you could avoid, if you could just slide into DeLorean and tell your parents what was coming for you as a Browns fan and persuade them to to turn you to a Steelers fan, would you want that? And my answer was no, because I take a lot of pride. I am very romantic about my fandom, because I, I'm i not, like, my dad was a Cleveland sports fan, my Uncle Richard was, my Grandma Barb was, my great-grandma was, her mm-hmm. sons were. So, like, I take a great pride and find it very a romantic idea that I'm like a fourth or fifth generation Cleveland sports fan, but I did think about it for a good five seconds before I said flatly no.
5: Yeah, it's interesting. So like my, my kids, I, I never like led them down a path of, hey, you've got to root for this team or that team. I let them make their own decisions. Mm-hmm. And like my son just, just started getting into football at the last like two years. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he's he loves the Buffalo Bills. And I have no problem with that. I, I love the Buffalo Bills too. I played there for a couple seasons. And I, I will say this, I'm thankful they're not Steelers fans. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's like, the, it's, it's like a, a it, Michigan Ohio state. It's thing like, too. I'm okay. If you want to root for, uh, you know, uh, Purdue or yeah. Illinois, but like
3: Michigan yeah. now, it's you know, like Kentucky's got a great football program. Y- yeah. Become so, a like Stoops fan,
5: Buffalo's a likable city. They're yeah. likable to So I'm cool with that. But like the Steelers, that would be
3: tough. Yeah. it just, and it's not just that. Like I just, I, man, I don't want to say anything. Cause there might be good people listening that fall into this demographic, but, like, people who now are, like, Steelers fans who started out as Browns fans, that just feels dirty to me.
5: Like That, I, that left when...
3: I, I mean, or the, just the losing, they just were like, screw this, I'm going to become a Steelers fan. Well, so, t-
5: to be fair... To be fair... It's not it's not always their fault. I mean, I remember back in the day when I was living in Canton growing up, and, like, the repository, the local paper, started covering the Steelers. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, was that during when they were gone? That was when they left. Okay. And they—they, they, I think they did like a poll, like should we cover the Pittsburghs? They did. They covered the Steelers, and you could go to the local stores and find Steelers gear.
3: If you're like, if you're like, so like fandom, like if your family, like my my wife's family, my wife, her her family, they're Yenzers. They're from that weird West Virginia, PA. Uh, Southern Ohio kind of triangle.
5: Yeah, where it's like half Browns, half Steelers, half like. It's a lot Steelers. It's a lot Steelers. It's a lot lot Steelers.
3: So like, had my wife become a Steelers fan, I totally would have understood. Like, inheriting fandom, I get. Deciding, oh, I'm not going to root for that team anymore. And I'm going to root for its chief rival. Like, even the Ravens thing. Oh, well, my real team is in Baltimore. No, 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 no. They ripped that team from you.
5: They changed their colors. They changed their name. They moved.
3: Yes. They don't share the history of your organization. Like it or not, the team that we have is the team that we have. Yeah. That being said, 216-578-0092. If, if, you, if you can have your sports fandom changed in a DeLorean-type moment. I think there's a lot of people that would. Oh, I, I don't know. I think there are a lot... I, think, I don't think I'm alone in my romantic I, nature but, about but, sports
5: fandom. But I would say this. I think that there are a lot of fans that recently have changed their tune a little bit because the Browns have had some recent success, like mm-hmm. going to the postseason in 2020 and having a, a pretty good season. So I, I think if you asked a lot of fans after that 1-31 in 31 with Hugh Jackson, there'd be a lot of fans that would be like, yeah, I wish I'd be in that DeLorean. Mm-hmm. Maybe not the Steelers, but maybe some other team.
3: Would you like, if you could avoid the Browns heartache in the last 30 years and you could, you could have grown up a Steelers fan, would you have wanted to, if you could make that change now, like That's, the, the uh, Thanos snap,
5: I, th- I think we're going to piss some people off with that question.
3: Well, yeah, but I, I think it's like, I mean, I think it's a fair question. I
5: think the fair question would be, would you rather be a fan? If you could go back in time, would you rather be a fan of some other team? It doesn't have to be Pittsburgh. Well, but specifically,
3: I don't know. so the reason why I asked it is there just are so many damn Steelers well, fans in do, Northeast I've, got, Ohio. I've got close
5: friends that are Pittsburgh fans.
3: Can can like we meet in the dark parking lot like, wait, did they grow up Steelers fans? Uh, I actually don't know. OK, we'll find that out and then I'll decide if I want to threaten them or not. You experience greatness. I, I don't know if I don't know if a lot this went oh last night this went uh, without fanfare. This was not put on social media. This was not broadcasted to the masses, and well, until right now. Um, I just need you to tell people about the greatness that you accomplished oh. within the last twenty four hours.
5: Yeah. So last night I I play tennis every Tuesday as we talk about many times, and I play till like nine thirty to nine forty five at night. I get home, and I uh, you know hop in the shower. Mm-hmm. And last night I decided to. Um, which is partake in something I have not done in a long time, and mm-hmm. that is the uh, the great tradition of the shower beer. Mm. And I gotta say, man, it was like an all timer because I I just like burned like twelve hundred calories on the tennis court, and I was you know just coming out of a hot shower. So your body needed my body needed
3: those carbs and that little bit of protein. Good God, I I don't. So it's so funny because I don't do it. Um- I don't do it all the time, but I've just never been disappointed by a bower. And by the way, that's what we called it in Bowling Green—a uh, beer shower. We shortened it to bower because we used to have bowers all the time. I'd take like a six-pack into the shower <laughs> okay. because we had those the shower stalls in between. Right, and then if somebody who was cool came into the, the stall next to me, I'd just be like, "Hey, you want a bower?" And he just. And so everybody did that. So like you'd walk in. If we we uh, we lived on the floor with a bunch of football players, you'd walk in, and Big Kev would be like, "Hey man, you want to want a beer?" i would be like, "Yep, yeah, cool." And so like I probably had, if out of seven days a week, I probably had a beer in the shower four days a week, whether it's because of my own doing or somebody else's doing. It's
5: just refreshing.
3: It's a completely, it's a game changer. Is the word that I would use, and I think we should do it more.
5: And I, I've got this, so, like, we had a New Year's Eve party, and I've got this, like, Red Bull fridge that I rarely use, and I just threw, like, a bunch of, you know, a bunch of beers in it, mm-hmm. and it gets really cold to the point where the beers are almost like slushies, mm-hmm. and it was, like, ice cold last night, and I'm just telling you, if you haven't done it, you want to take a hot shower tonight after work, folks, get yourself an ice cold beer. You know the
3: damnedest thing about it is? It's not exclusive to alcohol.
5: Right? It's literally... Oh, it could have been... It, it, honestly, it could have been an ice cold Gatorade. Oh, it well, was... Well, but I bet the beer was really good.
3: What I meant was, like, I love drinking cocktails. I uh, I, a, I, will, cocktail I don't wanna, the, I don't yeah. know about the shower cocktail. Because then you cocktail. get the water and the soap in it. And, like, wine. My wife loves wine. My wife loves wine. I don't, not, I don't think wine I don't would play I'm in the shower. I don't sipping a little Cabernet, yep. like, straight in the shower. Yep. I think the Sauvignon Blanc would be salmon Terrible in the shower, uh, real quick here, Chris, what's up, buddy? Welcome to the show.
4: Hey, Mr. Wilson, Mr. Fox, how you guys doing? Good buddy. Doing
3: well, buddy. Welcome to the show.
4: So I just wanted to comment, you know, if I could go back in time twenty years ago and become another NFL Teams fan, and absolutely not. I am a diehard Browns fan. They can lose for the next thirty five years
1: and I'm still gonna be a diehard fan. And if you I don't know if you guys ever noticed this, but Anybody
4: that was a Browns fan that switched over because the Browns either when they they, got, they went to Baltimore or because they lost for 20 years. They are the most miserable human beings on the face of the earth. They are so disappointed in themselves that they, they, they sometimes can't even tell you to your face that they're, they're a Steelers fan now. And they just are miserable people. You could see it in their face. They're angry. And, and that's my take on it. I would never switch it for anything. And I'm, I'm a Cleveland fan. Forever, no matter what, guys. Have a
3: great one. Happy New Year. Happy New Year, buddy. I got tricked into saying it. Um, here's the funny thing. So going down to Charlotte, like I appreciate the Hornets and I appreciated the Panthers. I couldn't root. Like, I wanted them to be good so mm-hmm. we could talk about them. Um my kids do have Lamelo jerseys because Lamelo's freaking amazing and they bullied me into it. But like, at no point could I say, like, oh, what what teams? Do you root for. I couldn't be like, oh, I'm a Hornets and Panthers fans, right? I can wear a hat. Yeah, I can wear a Panthers hat. But but there's just something about being like, there's just a difference between rooting for teams that you really love that you grew up rooting for, and rooting for teams that uh, you uh, you acquire an interest in.